Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. I was I wasn't even looking at the camera. <laughs> Here I am now looking at you. Um, today we are doing our lesson from Matthew 16 and 17, Mark 8 and 9, and Luke 9. So, will this go after Easter? I can't remember. Okay, we can't remember. Don't well, confuse everybody. Sorry, I just didn't know. Hi, <laughs> hi, happy day, whatever day it is. Let's start with this story in Matthew 16 that we love so much. It starts about um, verse 13. Um, where Jesus came into a place called the coast of Caesarea Philippi. And uh, where they gathered is such a really neat place. Put that on your book. We'll add that to our Jerusalem tour going there. <laughs> our, <laughs> pretend, our, pretend our pretend Jerusalem tour. tour. We're gonna... You should describe it because it yeah. really is so it pretty. Just, it's just in this, like you picture Israel and you picture like a desert and gross and rock. And it's just like this river comes through and these trees and, and it's, it's green. green. And there are the, these big rocks, and you can see on them where a waterfall used to be. So a waterfall used to come out of the rock and spill down and then into the stream. Now it just comes from underneath the rock, and it's this natural spring that's right there. And they were gathered near there. And it's just a pretty place. Like, you get there, and you really, you feel to just sit and ponder. That's, yeah, it really it, has it, that... Yeah, it's a resting place. It's a peaceful place. You imagine this conversation took place. They were just sitting by the river one That's late always afternoon. how I picture it. Yeah. That's always how I They're picture it. They're just kind of talking about stuff. And then Jesus is Jesus like, Jesus says this, Peter, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? So this, the ministry has been going on for a couple of years. And he's, what are the rumors? What are people saying? Who are, what, what are people, who do people actually think I am? Um, and they say, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elias, some Jeremiah the, the prophet, right? This is, this is kind of just because some of the things he's been saying and they think that you're him or him or him. And then this question, verse 15, but whom say ye that I am? Okay, great. That's what everybody else is saying about me. But who do you think I am? You, after spending this time together, like who am I to you? And then Peter you love his answer. And I, I don't know if this is how this happened, but a great activity to do is to watch the Bible video from this scene. And it's exactly how I picture it happening because right when he asked the question, Peter, uh, he's so impulsive anyways by nature, he, uh, he answers immediately. He doesn't take any time you know, to give that. I, I remember being there with a group and sitting under some of those trees and, and our tour guide asking, is there anybody here who wants to say what their personal feelings about Jesus are. And you know that is sometimes like someone's like, hey, is someone willing to say a prayer? Is someone willing to give a thought? And everyone kind of sits there for a second. Just love in that video that Peter's like, he answers right away. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Like, I, I know that. I know that's who you are. And, and gives that answer. And then Jesus' response back, um, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And it's interesting if the, that question, his response and that answer are really neat. If you know a little bit about what's going on there. Is anciently at the time of Jesus there was a temple there. And it was a temple that was dedicated like a lot were to Caesar. And uh, he was called 
um, the son of God. Like that was a title that Caesar had back then. So Peter's answer is they're there in the shadow of what, who everyone's calling the son of God, um, a dead God, right? Because Caesar's father had, had died. And he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the real son of God. You know, and then when he says flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee at that temple, people used to take, um, go to that temple for answers to questions. And what they would do is they would take, um, the kind of the blood and guts of animals that they'd sacrifice and they would put them into this little well. And if they floated up, the answer was yes. And if they sunk, the answer was no. So people went there to get answers to their questions. Like, what are they, you know? And so when Jesus says, you didn't get this answer from you know, the little well ceremony thing up there. You got this answer from my father directly, uh, which is in heaven. And I, I love that mm -hmm. so much. So you got this right from him. Um, I had a chance to have President Oaks come to the UVU Institute where I teach institute. And um, while we were sitting in the room all together, one of the teachers asked President Oaks this question. Uh, how do you feel to be a, a special witness uh, of, of Jesus Christ? And President Oaks looked right back at him and he says, I don't know, why don't you tell me? And he said, anyone who's had the Holy Spirit witness to their heart that Jesus is the Christ is a special witness of him. And he taught us about that apostles are actually called as special witnesses of the name and, and the differences there. But I've always loved that first answer. I don't know, you tell me. And so we have a spot on the study sheet, like whom say ye that I am, Right. Uh, who is Jesus Christ to you? And I think it's so interesting because everyone is going to have had different experiences. And everyone's going to maybe, when they think of who is Jesus in my life, specific memories are probably going to come to mind. And there's a little spot right here where you can write those, how do you know, right? What are the moments that became a witness for you in your life? And just to take a few minutes to think about um, that that witness and, and what it was for you and, and for each of us because Christ is so personal and he meets us in our stories. Right. And those witnesses are going to be so individualized. And a neat activity that might be with Peter in particular because we know his story. It's like, hey, in the first 15 chapters of Matthew, what has happened to Peter that maybe he's remembering Right, and then to yeah. take and then for, do that for, for yourself. For Peter, he right? was a lifeguard at one point, right? right. And um, he was a teacher on the water, and he he could just go through his whole life. He was someone who knew where the fish would be. He would all these little intimate moments where Christ was teaching him, Peter. Let me show you who I am. In and he your didn't life. do it perfectly. He was so messy, had it, and and things were difficult, and he had to wait. Just real life, real stories here, but it's just so cool to look at his life first. What would he have thought of? And then to think about yours. You know, what would your answer be? And how do you know that? It hasn't been flesh and blood that's revealed it, but it's been my father. There's a really awesome word play that happens here. So I want to take you back to the river. Just imagine you're oh, sitting yeah, on the there, um, yeah. grass right there. And there's that moment when he um, says, whom say ye that I am? And you love that moment when Peter looks at him and says, thou art the Christ, the son of of the living God, and Jesus is gonna answer right back to him, and you are Peter. And upon this rock will I build my church. And I just think to myself what a powerful moment of witness that was for both of them, right? It, it was a witness moment for Peter of, I know who you are, and Jesus saying back to him, 
I know who you are. Yeah. And it's neat because the name Peter means the rock. Yeah. And then he says, upon this rock. And Joseph Smith has taught that that rock is the rock of revelation. Mm -hmm. But in particular, um, look at the revelation that he's talking about there. It's Peter's revelation and witness from the Father that Jesus is the Christ. On this truth, on this revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, will I build my church. It will be yeah. built on my gospel mm -hmm. on on my rock and it's cool because they're there and there's this big rock and water is flowing out of yeah. it and there's the imagery of the living son of mm -hmm. the living god coming out of this rock and just it's really really neat imagery um should we talk about the keys here yeah. real quick okay yeah. um it's so interesting and then the promise oh we forgot this promise is so good at the end of 18 and he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And gates normally aren't attacking. They're not usually <laughs> weapons, you know, like how are the gates of hell going to attack me or, or get me? And it's because they're going to hold you right. in. Right. That's right? how they're gates, hold you in. right. Gates win by holding someone in. And, and he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Hell cannot hold you. Death cannot hold you because I am the son of the living God. I am the Christ. I will rescue you from that place. And it's going to be know? through through the keys, right? Through right. what we're going to talk yeah. about. Yeah, so next he tells them, I'm going to, verse 19, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom, that whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And we're gonna not going to talk about that too much right here. That happens in Matthew 17 at the Mount of Transfiguration. And Come Follow Me um, goes through a, a couple of different talks and quotes that are really helpful in understanding what are the keys of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to put into our newsletter for this week a link um, to a really neat talk from President Packer and one from Elder Hales where they were with President Kimball um, in that church in Denmark where the Christus and all those statues mm -hmm. is and, and the story he talks about. They held the keys back then, but I hold them today. And so we'll link that so that you can get those and um, that's kind of neat right now, especially mm -hmm. with the Rome temple being yeah. done and those same statues. So we'll, we'll put that in there too, but come follow me. does a great job of talking about keys of the kingdom. So we'll let you look in, look in there for that. And we love one other verse in here, 24 and 25 in Matthew 16. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And there is this call there um, from the Savior that he's asking them to um, to come and take this call and follow me, follow after me. You're going to have to lose your life, right? You're going to have to give up everything. Um, you become a living sacrifice in this moment to follow me. And Which is funny because it's like opposite of the way everybody else functions, right? Yes. Jesus always plays opposite day. And he's like, right, um, the world says, prove it, and then I'll believe. And Jesus says, believe, and I'll prove it to you. Mm -hmm. Or he says, lose your life, and then you will find it. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's opposite yes. of how we think it should function. And it's kind of the call of Christ, right? It, it is this, um, it, he calls for all of you. He wants your whole heart um, as we come into it. And there is this great quote. It's in Mark 9, verse 40 this scripture and he says for he that is not against us is on our part and i love the thought of that that if, if you're as long as you're not against us 
then you're with us. Right. You're one of us. And I love this line that we wrote um, right here on this paper. For he that is not against us is on our part. And just this question, are you? When you look at your life, are, are you on the side of Jesus? Have you taken up his cross? Are you willing to lose your life, what you are known for, what you're... Um, what people know you as, whatever it is that makes you successful or famous or all of those things, are you willing to set that aside and say, when you see me, I want you to see Jesus. Yeah. When you hear me talk, I'm going to talk about Jesus. That It's when he becomes our main focus, when he becomes our goal, when that's what we are um, searching for and seeking for and striving for, that's when we are going to find our greatest successes. And it's such a, it's so encouraging also because it's, he's not an all or nothing God, right? So that quote right here, for he that is not against us, mm -hmm. meaning like I could be just 1% on the side of, I wish I could give more. I wish I mm -hmm. could, you know, there's that great ham come thou found that says, here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. And, and sometimes I, I sing that and I think that and I'm like, Sometimes I don't know if I'm ready to give away my whole heart. Like there's mm -hmm. just that natural side of me that wants to hold back some of it. And, and God is right. If, if, as long as you're not against me, you're for me, even, mm -hmm. even just a little. And our sacrament prayers every week remind us of that. We, we covenant that we are willing to take upon us his name, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to, I, and I want to do it. And we're practicing, right? We are just, it's a, you it's watch becoming, Peter practice all the way right. through his life, even up until the very end, um, you know, for Easter, we are going to watch um, that happen. Um, even when he, on one hand, three times he tells him, I will go with you, I will die for you, I will all these things. And the next thing you know, he's saying he doesn't even know who Jesus is and right, he's not right. with him. And, and it is practicing, right? It's um, turning again and turning again and turning again to Christ. And he knows that's the way it's going to go. And he just waits for us to turn again. Slowly. Turn again. Because it's in this chapter where Jesus talks about, I have to go to Jerusalem to be crucified. And Peter's like, nope, you don't. <laughs> it's like two verses before, 22. Yes. He's like, nope, that's not going to happen. And and he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? He's yes. like, Peter, stop. You know, like he has yes. to like rebuke Peter like yeah. two verses right yeah. before you, that. I just so. love, I love watching in Peter. Sometimes he is the champion of the cause. And sometimes Jesus is just pulling him along, <laughs> you know, and, and he's just doing his best. He's just trying to love Jesus. And, and I think we love Peter even more for that. There's a great Peter and Jesus story that takes place in chapter 17. It's one of my favorite. It starts in verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay Tribute. And let's talk for a minute about what, what was the tribute. So tribute money was sort of like an offering just for the temple. So it was sort of like a very particular type of tithing that was collected. Um, so because they're right there at the temple, that's where they would collect it. You know, and um, so just all members of the house of Israel were required to pay money to get have the temple running for the priests to be sustained for everything that was happening there. So this is particularly money for the temple, which makes sense when he starts, yeah, when he so gives Yeah, so it's interesting because they come to the door, they knock, they ask if they're going to pay the temple tribute, and Peter says yes. And then he shuts the door and he goes into Jesus, and Jesus has been listening, and he says to him, okay, let's think about this for a minute, Peter. Um, what, and he says this, what thinkest thou, Simon, of who... 
Do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Do the children who live in the house pay for the house or do the strangers pay for the house? And Peter says, the strangers do. And Jesus says to him, okay, so then the children are free, right? And um, in essence, what he's saying is, that's my father's house and I am his child. And um, in reality, I wouldn't pay a tribute. And then he says this in 27, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. And I love this because the Savior's message is a message of peace. Yeah. Always. And so he's going to look at that whole situation and he's going to say, I'm the Prince of Peace. I am. Because easy he could have said, doctrinally, yes, I do not peace. have to pay. Yeah. Let me explain to you why I'm right and why I don't have to. But he's like, hey, it's, it's not worth it. It's yep. not battling over... Yep. Doctrine. <laughs> so um, then there's going to be this process that happens. We've put you a little spot here. We want you to fill in the blanks. You're going to go one by one and just think about this process for a minute. He says to Peter, so just imagine they're sitting in the house. They don't have any money. Peter's got to go find money for the tribute. Where is it going to come from? And he says this to Peter. Now, if he said this to you, what would you be thinking? Okay, he's serious. He's, this is going to be for real. He says to Peter, okay, listen, this is what I want you to do. Go to the sea. Okay, that, Peter's used to doing that. Cast a hook. Okay, take up the fish that first comes up. That's the one I want you to get. And when you have opened his mouth, thou will find a piece of money. Take that and give it for me and thee. Um, Okay, what are the odds? Let's just, <laughs> let's just what I was think about, about this. I was about to say that same What thing. are the odds, seriously? That, do you know how big the Sea of Galilee is? Do you know how many fish are in there? And how many fish he's caught. He's also, like, I've caught so Also, which many. part of the sea is he supposed to go to? Right. He doesn't tell him, go to the one that's the right down. The dock right on the yeah. east side or you something. You just go to the sea, and where, where you go, the first fish that comes up, hook it, Right? He's, he's confident Peter's not going to miss that fish. You hook it, and when you get it, you open up his mouth, and then you're get, it'll be the exact right amount of money. Yeah, so not just asking. money in a fish yeah. is wild, but like the right money. Also, when did that fish even swallow that money? <laughs> and who dropped it in the in sea the thing. in the okay, first right? place? Okay, right, you just got to start thinking about all these things. I love what James Talmage says about this. Um, from Jesus the Christ is where I'm reading. Um, if you want to look this up after, this is on page 385, and um, it's in chapter 24. And he says this, Nevertheless, the knowledge that there was in the lake, a fish having a coin in its gullet, that the coin was of the denomination specified, and that that particular fish would rise and be the first to rise to Peter's hook, is as incomprehensible to man's finite understanding as are the means by which any of Christ's miracles are wrought. And when I think about how tender mercies are orchestrated, when I think about how miracles are orchestrated, in my mind, this story in the New Testament is one of the finest stories for showing how the Lord can orchestrate an entire situation that is just so unique that he's going to go to the right place and find the right fish that swallowed the right coin that someone put in the water how many days before and he's been swimming around with it in his belly and he's going to rise and like, the first one to bite it how like... is that going to happen and yet Jesus is just so calmly just sitting there and says this is how it's going to work Peter just 
just exactly like this. And then this is the part I love the most. Instead of Peter being like, what? There's nothing about that. He, he just goes. He just gets grabs fishing the fishing pole. pole. <laughs> He's goes like, out there. all right, I'll be back. Um, it's such a good story. It's just such a good witness of um, of these tender mercies. And we have a little box right here. Well, I love this. Who was the miracle for? And the miracle really was for Peter, right? It's just another teaching moment for the Savior. And um, there's a little box here that says, when have you caught the fish with the coin? And we would love for you to just think about that for a minute. When are those moments when something inconceivable happened in your life that yeah. when you look at it, you're like, that God orchestrated this somehow. I don't know how he pulled all the pieces together, yeah. but somehow everything fell into place in the exact right order. And the Lord did this. For this to happen. The simple thing. Yeah. Do you remember that line from Elder Maxwell where he just says, the star of Bethlehem was put yes. into orbit? that millennia before it, it just think of all the planning that took into the christmas star to be in orbit so it was in the right spot in the sky for the light to travel to the earth on the very night jesus was born and then he said um god puts as as much if not more planning into human orbits into these kind of things happening in our own lives you know that's just such a powerful thing to think yeah. of him orchestrating these things so i once had a student ask me do you think the lord ever gets bored in heaven like what does he do all the time and um i actually we uh, we were talking about uh, a similar story in scripture a tender mercy like this and i was like if he's orchestrating things like this no way because can you imagine what it's like to watch the thrill of peter like grab the fish like catches and he's like no way. <laughs> Pulls it in, unhooks it, and he just opens the mouth and he's like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> and like, we, we, those are so thrilling. They're yeah. so thrilling. Those, yeah. those moments when you see the Lord, like just play his hand in something. Every time that happens, when I see a moment like that in my life, I just kind of mumble under my breath. Like, I see you. I see what, <laughs> I see what you're doing. And you love me. that moment that some people would call a coincidence. And, and it really is this tender mercy that has been orchestrated so carefully just for Where that he, moment. He's like, this is absolutely not a coincidence. Yeah. It's just fantastic. So okay, your favorite story. Oh my gosh, you guys. I could die right here on camera because I love this story mm -hmm. so much. Um, you remember Elder Holland told this story a couple of years ago in General Conference. And, and he told it so well. Oh, we should have just played him. I know. We should put another, that link. Am I going to remember to put President Kimball in the last, was it this one? You know one? what? I better write I this down on the board right now. Links. And so I don't forget. And it's going to be President, President Kimball's story Kimball and then. And the keys. And okay. And then Elder Holland. But you're, while she's writing that, you, everyone else go to Mark chapter 9. And we're going to verse 17, where Jesus is going to talk with the father who has brought his son with him. And you're, you're going to find out, well, he says, Master, I've brought unto thee my son, who has a, a dumb spirit. He has some sort of mental incapacity. 18, wherever, wherever we take him, he, he, he teareth him, he foams, he gnashes with his teeth. He tries to jump into the fire. He tries to jump into the water. Like we learned that this has just been going on for years. And I love Elder Holland talks about how exhausted these parents must have been. I've held on to this like burden for so long and he can't ever be alone and, and we can't ever sleep at night. And, and he just brings him, you know, to Jesus. And I've loved, uh, you know, with you know, classes that I've taught, asking people this question, you know, who would you bring um, to Jesus? 
Um, imagine you go to your mailbox and you get an invitation there in the mail and it's this pretty envelope with gilded letters and, and inside there's an invitation that Jesus will be coming to you know a, just a meeting house nearby and you're allowed to bring one guest with you. Who is it that you would bring? And I would love. And why? Yeah. And, and why? why? Right. And it'd be neat to ask that question to your group that you're gathered with, or with your family, or Marco Polo, however, however you're doing this. Just who would who would you bring, and why? Because that's been literally some of my most touching moments as a mm -hmm. teacher teaching to hear people say like, "Why well, bring my sister? Because you know she's, you know, handicapped, or and I would love for her to be able to see and hear again, or I bring my brother who's struggling with his faith because I just feel like." One moment, I remember this one girl who said, like, I bring my dad because he loves Jesus so much. And if he came, like, that would just be. So that's just, I love that verse 17. I've brought my son, you know. And, and he just talks about, you know, how hard it's been. And if you go down to verse 22 where he says he throws himself in the fire and water to, and, and to destroy himself. And then this line, if you can do anything. Like that woman last week that mm -hmm. we talked about with the crumbs. Yeah, like, I'll, take, oh, I'll take anything. I'll take a crumb. I'll take, I'll take one night off. I'll take anything. If you can do anything, have compassion on us, on me, on my son, on the family. You know, help us. There's that cry again mm -hmm. from Peter last week, the woman last time. Help me. Save me. I need, I need you. I need help. And then Jesus' answer. Jesus says to him, Verse 23, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. Not just crumbs, not just not just little parts. All things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway, verse 24. There's that word again. It comes right. Like, and straightway. I, here, here we just I go. see it over and over again. Right? It's a straightway. The father of the child cries out and said with tears. That is where this story, like, Generally, scriptures aren't very good at storytelling, and Mark wins on this story. And he says with tears, Lord, I believe. It's the first thing that he says. That's why I brought him, because I believe. And then the line that I actually love so much, um, help mine unbelief. And right? I just, I want to add to this part, because this is also one of my favorite stories. And um, if you have ever raised a child with an illness or a disability, or if you have ever had those moments where you have not been able to sleep at night, when you have a child who you are fighting with and for their health all of the time, and you come to the Lord and you say to him, could you take this from us? And he says, yes, if you have faith, all things are possible to him that believeth, and you wanna believe so bad, but I'm sure went through the father's mind in that moment this is too big. Like, you don't know how bad it is. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know how we have not slept for 18 years. You don't know that everything this child does, we are watching and waiting and we can't even rest. They don't even know what the word rest is. And that thought of looking at Jesus and trying to believe and looking at the burden and the weight of that burden and thinking, this is too, this is too big. Right. Like, I, I can't much. even imagine that you could lighten this load. And just that plea for him, I don't, I don't want to say I don't believe, but Lord, this is too big. you got to help me in the places where I just can't imagine this could get easier. You can, yeah, and there's this hymn that I love so much that I always tie together with this mm -hmm. one. 
this story. It actually changed the way that I approached the Lord. It changed the way that I pray. It's hymn 131 in our hymn, but more holiness give me. Mm. This is a prayer. And I love the words of this prayer for a person, like just that, that first line, more holiness give me. This is a person coming to the Lord and saying like, I am not holy and I wish I was. Can you give me more? Um, give me more sorrow for sin. I know I should feel bad for my sins, but I don't. Give me longing for home. I know I should wish to be with you, but there's plenty of times where I don't. Will you please give that to me? You know, mm -hmm. like this prayer of this man is so beautiful where he's just like, I, I believe that you can do it. And I also believe that you can help my unbelief. I think you can help my son where he's lacking. And I think you can help me where I'm lacking. And then the miracle comes. Mm. And we've said this before on here, but um, in your journey to come unto Christ, all you need is need. That is where it starts every time, is to recognize I am lacking and I am in a need of something. That is where every miracle, where every journey to Christ begins. Yeah, we love when Sister Craig said that, and you might want to look it up in her talk, um, Divine Discontent, and she talked about every miracle begins with a lack or an inadequacy or a want, and it is true. When we look at these, everyone approaches the Lord from a place of need, right? and they make a request. And yeah. that's how the miracle begins. Okay, and then the way it ends, I just love the way that this story ends, and we'll just kind of finish on this one, is the, the, the sickness, this debt, the spirit, whatever comes out of him. And there was a cry, and then in verse end of verse 26, everyone who looked on it said, he is dead. The boy is dead. And then I love that the first two words of verse 27. It ends 26 saying, he is dead. And then the first two words of 27 says, but Jesus. And then it takes him by the hand and he lifts him up and, and he arose. And I just feel like there's going to be times when people look at their situation of their life and, the, and they're going to say, this one is dead. Like there's nothing. This marriage is dead. Our hope is dead. Um, our, our, whatever the situation is, I'm, it's dead. And then you remember those first two words in 27 but Jesus, you know, it's like someone comes in and says, you forgot Jesus though. You forgot that he, all things are possible, you know, to him that believes. Yeah, it's so good. This is such a great story. Um, and just as we go through this whole lesson and look at all of these things, whom say ye that I am, right? And, and at the end of this, we get to that same call, that same, you just have to believe. And maybe that's the two words we whisper all week long but Jesus, yeah. you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out, but Jesus, but Jesus, I'm a mess, yep. but Jesus, that's it, what it, I'm saying. It just reminds me of this story. I had the opportunity to work at a charter school. I was on the board of a charter school for a long time. And the principal asked me into his office one day and he said, I knew you would love this. And he had this piece of paper and the kids were learning those phrases that are like under the uh, above the around the whatever oh, prepositions yeah, is that right? prepositions. and <laughs> we're both um, authors and they were, <laughs> and they were writing in there the boy um the one question was this boy lost his belt what should he do where should he look and then you could write down things like under the bed or in the closet or it had this, <laughs> this whole list of all these things and this little boy had written just in his little hand you know you love their writing at that age 
Jesus will help you. <laughs> that was the answer. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I want to frame that and put it in my house. It's, it's that same thought, but Jesus. Yeah. He knows what to do. So beautiful. Oh, we love this chap these chapters. Yeah, it's good. They're so awesome. So good. Okay. See we'll you see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.